4: Our number three primetime action here on MSG Plus and VEASAN. Matt Brown, Adam Candy, Kelly Bidlin behind the glass, Danielle Alvari And uh, we are heading into the second half here in a game that has been... Less than exciting. Is that a good way to put it, Adam? Would you? Is that is that the politically correct way to say
5: what this game has been so far? If you are a Turner Network executive, that is exactly how you would yeah. describe this game as uh, it needs improvement.
6: I thought tonight had the chance of being the best night of games in, in, in the in the entire NBA playoffs. I, I, I thought every all three of these games tonight would be fantastic, and this is a this is a complete dud. A complete Jimmy Butler sixteen, rest of rest team, of team 17. seventeen.
4: That's all. The, that's the only stat you need right there. That's all you need. There's the stat. Uh, that's what's been going on here uh, with this. Although Adam cringes at seeing that because. The only guy that doesn't need to score for his bet to get home is
5: that guy. Like, And there are many ways for me to get there. The best of them is that I have to hope he stops rebounding because assists aren't going to be a problem in this game. Yes, no. no one can make yeah. a shot for the Heat. <laughs> That's yes. a good
6: point. Yeah, he, Why would you pass
5: it now if you're him, right? I'm yes. sorry. He literally just had an assist as <laughs> I said that. I'm going oh, uh, to lose this bet. <laughs> and and gonna you're going to score 75 points. I'm
4: going to lose this bet. And somehow you're going to come up on the losing end of that one. Uh, Kelly, what's going on on the ice?
6: Oh, man, on the ice, we're still 3-1. 3-1, uh, third period action has begun, though, three minutes into the third period. If you wanted to get in on the Maple Leafs live, you can get plus 575. I believe I said 6-1 to before. Are they in a power play right now? They are not. It's even strength. All right, never mind. Uh, Five and a half is your live total shaded to the over. Uh, Over in Major League Baseball, Yankees still up on the Blue Jays. Five to three, top of the sixth. Uh, If you wanted to hop in live on the Blue Jays, you can get ten to one. Eight and a half is your live
5: total in that game. Kelly, let me just pause you for one quick second. The Maple Leafs uh, puck line is now plus two. You're basically drawn even on that at minus one twenty two. That's not a terrible option if you believe that Toronto can put. So one So I up assume here. that
4: they're uh, they're
5: just taking the empty
4: netter into into account. They are right absolutely there. taking yeah. the potential
5: yeah. empty netter into account, but there's still 17 minutes left
6: mm-hmm. in this game. I love that though. Like that, I mean, that there's these different puck line options because I that's where I I would be horrified to bet that plus one and a half ever because of mm-hmm. the empty net situation. But right. yeah, you get plus two, you get that push protection. That's great. Um, okay, Orioles, White Sox. Uh, White Sox got one. That is one nothing. bottom of the second. Uh, White Sox minus 450 live. Orioles plus 340. 8.5 uh, is your total there. And uh, Reds Nationals, that is three nothing. Reds top of the seventh.
4: We do have one putt drop here in about a half an hour. That is the Hurricanes and the Predators. Minus 137 on the Hurricanes, plus 118. You can find a plus 125, actually, if you shop around. Plus 125. On the Predators, if you want to go in that direction, Adams, said, you said you looked at this one, could not find any sort of angle that you wanted to play, so you're going to sit it out.
5: No, I did choose to sit it out. Hurricanes uh, have actually taken a little money here in Las Vegas and moved from 140 to 145. But, Danielle, I know you had a couple that you decided to get involved with here.
7: Yes, I'm on the under in the first period, and I'm also on the Predators to be ahead in the first period. So hoping for a goal from them, and then that's it.
4: No more scoring. And then that is is it? We have a couple first pitches in about a half an hour as well. Uh, this is the, the the Otani Bartgate that we have going on. We will we'll figure this out. Uh, what's going on here? <laughs> Patrick Sandoval is going to start for the Angels instead of Shohei Otani. Chris Bassett for the A's. Uh, what this has done is now Bassett and the A's have moved to $2 favorites, minus 200 if you want to bet them. Uh, Sandoval will take the hill. Uh, Otani is going to play, but scratch from his start on the mound. Carlos Martinez and the Cardinals going up against uh, John Duplanche, DuPlanche and the Diamondbacks. And that is Martinez minus 112 favorite if you want to take him and the Cardinals. We do have a couple of 1010 10 Eastern, 710 Pacific. Alex Wood and David Price, that's the Giants and the Dodgers. Price and the Dodgers, minus 143, plus 120 if you want the Giants. And then we have the Rangers and the Mariners at 10-10 Eastern. That is a coin flip game. If you want to bet that one, good on you. What are you doing betting the Rangers and
5: the the Mariners? Don't do it, but that 7.5 on Giants-Dodgers probably merits a little talk later.
4: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that one a little bit in just a second. It is primetime action here on Veasan MSG Plus. Matt Brown, Adam Candy, Danielle Avari, Kelly Be- Kelly uh, Bidlin, not Kelly Veasan. That's his Twitter handle. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you you, you should, I mean you can, but he doesn't do anything on it. You you should follow Danielle though. She is really good on the Twitter machine. At Adam Candy, the show. two e's no i. And you can follow me. <laughs> I'm a again C solid C plus I think on the uh, on the Twitter machine. Who is good on the Twitter is our NBA analyst. John Von Tobel joins us here to talk about a couple of games we have going tonight. We'll even ask him about the games tomorrow as well. You can follow him on Twitter at MeJVT. John, how are things going tonight for you?
8: Uh, It's all about volume on Twitter. You know what I mean? They're not all winners. You just got to keep just firing out there, and every once in a while, they'll catch on. So, you know what I mean? It's all about volume.
4: I agree. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you if you put enough plays and information and stuff like that out there, then people will pick and choose one, one way or the other. They will think you're the greatest in the world because they'll only remember your wins, or they'll think you're the worst in the world because they'll only remember your losses. So you have that that you kind of got to deal with.
8: My new angle is playing the heel of, like, anti-Knicks guy. You know, because I took a series bet on the Hawks before the series started, I am now a Knicks hater officially. So I've decided to twist the knife here and there a couple of times. So that is the new role for me, and I've enjoyed it. We'll, uh,
4: we'll, well, we'll get there in just a second, but let's start out here again, uh, tip off in about an hour. We've got the Suns and the Lakers as we sit right now. Most of the sevens have are gone in kind of the rest of the country here. It is down to six and a half pretty much across the board in favor of the Lakers, a total sitting at 2 11 2 2-11-and-a-half if you want to kind of go there. Of course, the series tied one up. Lakers won game two-by-seven. Anthony Davis with that massive game of 34-10-and-seven. Had a steal in three blocks as well. LeBron with 23-and-nine. Uh, Chris Paul, apparently, if I'm sure you're seeing the same thing I am on Twitter, they're saying he is a full go Um I don't know how two days later after what he right. looked like two days ago, but all we can go by is what they're saying. Uh, what do you make of this game? What do you make of this spread? And and what do you see from this series kind of moving forward?
8: Yeah. So, and like, he'll be out there, right? Full go, I guess is subjective. Like, will he play the whole game more than likely? Yeah. Right. When you do the street fighter, mortal Kombat health bar above his head, what's it look like? It's probably near the red, if not orange. So he doesn't look like he's going to be fully healthy, but regardless, he'll be out there. So I guess that's kind of a positive for Phoenix, but man, you know, I thought, with this lakers team there were two areas of the floor that in this series they had to win and in game one they didn't but game two they did and that was at the rim and that was in transition they were really ineffective in transition in game one weren't as effective in, at the rim in game one and then you go to game two offensive rating of 121.1 and you look at those two areas of the floor 77 percent on 22 shots within four feet of the basket and five shooting fouls, fouls drawn and then you go to the transition where they averaged a point and a half per play in transition So those are the two areas in which they could really thrive, right? Phoenix 30th in transition defense this year, Phoenix 22nd in terms of opponent shooting within four feet of the basket. Lakers do that really well, and they're going to, I think, be able to do it going forward. So- I took them after game one in the series. I got them an even money to win this whole entire thing. So I haven't gotten involved from a game perspective, but I will say I agree with the line move in general to come off the seven. We I mean, think about it, right? Game one, we're talking about a point and a half spread in favor of Phoenix. We get to one and a half, two, and for game two, and now we're at seven. It just seems like a really big swing here to make it all the way to seven. I get Chris Paul's ailing, but he's still out there. It's not like he's fully unavailable. I tend to think the market overreacted a little bit, so I can understand the market coming off of the seven. But series-wide, I mean, the Lakers are in the driver's seat at this point right now. Back home, getting that split, and being able to thrive in the two areas of the floor which the Suns really struggle. And by the way, should know, too, that offensive rating is with them shooting 31% from three. So they're still putting up a 120 in terms of their offensive rating while being absolute garbage. So if they get a good shooting night from, like, a KCP, uh, there's a pretty big edge here for Los Angeles.
5: Which Andre Drummond do you think shows up for the Lakers in this game? Because there's obviously a massive difference between game one and game two. And it seems like if Andre Drummond is effective at the five, and we don't have to get into the discussion of does Anthony Davis play the five, then you have two effective big men, whether they're playing together or whether they're playing
8: separately, and the Lakers can do exactly what you said and score inside. You know, I think I don't even know if it's so much which Andre Drummond shows up. uh, um, uh, Excuse me, Adam. Uh, but I get you guys confused. You guys look so much alike, uh, but I think it's, it's really about like splitting up these minutes a little bit more between him and Gasol, right? and we did get insanely effective drumming, right? 15 points, 12 rebounds, a little bit more like the drummer we saw. I don't think we get that every night, but I think it's about mixing it up from being both kind of traditional fives, but Gasol helps with the spacing, right? He doesn't plant himself in the dunker spot or down low. He can play along the perimeter. He can facilitate every once in a while. He can hit a three point shot if he's wide open so I think that's more important about the center position for Los Angeles. If you're not going to play AD at the five, then you got to break those minutes up between Drummond and Gasol because they give you two different looks and it opens up the floor a little bit more. So I think that's what I'm kind of looking for. I don't want to rely on Drummond to replicate that. I want to split those two up a little bit more and get a four spacer a little bit out there. And then the you know traditional post guy to help with the rebounding. And I think they found like the good mix in game two against Phoenix.
4: 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific Nuggets and the Blazers. As we sit right now, three-and-a-half-point favorites are the Blazers. 2.27 seems to be the prevailing total now at most of the books around the country. Series tied one apiece. Nuggets won game two by 19 despite Dame having that 42 performance, uh, 9 of 16 from three, added 10 assists. Um one of the things, though, we got was Jokic with his monster game was also getting Nurkic in foul trouble, getting him to foul out early in the fourth quarter, and it seemed like at that point it was just kind of game over for the Blazers. Uh, Melo didn't really help out in game two like he did in game one, and then Paul Millsap's just a filling up the stat sheet in his 15 minutes with 15.7 boards and three assists. The Blazers turn it over 21 times. Um you know, three and a half as a Blazers at home here against this Nuggets team. Uh, do you think that number is fair? How did you view this thing coming into the series, and has your opinion changed at all through two games?
8: So, uh, how I viewed it was, I do have a pre-series bet on uh, Denver at plus one twelve. Uh, Matt, So I did think that Denver was going to win this obviously was expecting them to hold some court and they didn't. But regardless, you know, when we talked a lot about the, the edge that Portland had right in the backcourt, they really do. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, that is a massive edge over whatever they're going to throw out there, the Denver Nuggets, because Jamal Murray's not on the court. But I think the edge is equal for Denver in the front court. And through the first two games, you've seen that, right? Through the first two games, uh, they are shooting in a godly amount of shot attempts within four feet of the basket, 77.8% in game one, 80% in game two in terms of the shooting percentage for Denver within four feet of the basket, more than 20 attempts within four feet as well in those two games. Like, my my kind of theme here has been when you're talking about betting the postseason, guys, it's look for sustainability, right? What are these teams doing on a night-to-night basis and what is sustainable as they move forward? And as you look at Denver, this is the 23rd ranked defense in terms of frequency of attempts allowed within four feet of the basket this is the 29th ranked defense overall in terms of efficiency so this be this ability to exploit the interior for portland i think is going to carry on from game to game so now it's about your three-point shooting game one it wasn't there game two it corrected itself and you got to win by a big margin and so if this goes forward and Monte Moore starts to look a little bit healthier, I still think this Denver team is very live. You know, I thought four was pretty strong. We're starting to see the books account for a home court advantage, right, for a lot of these in these series. But remember, each of these varies, right? Miami gets a little bit, pretty much a full crowd tonight. Portland's only got 8,000 tonight. So how much does that mean for them and how much should odd makers really adjust? You know, I calculated out to like a two-point home court advantage, it looks like, uh, that the oddsmakers throwing out there for this series. Is that a little too much between two teams that I don't think they're separating a lot between them? So I thought four is a little high. I generally agree with the market coming off of it. I just think what Denver's doing is a little bit more sustainable. You just need those really hot shooting nights from Portland. Is they're not a team that's got a lot of presence within four feet offensively and defensively? They can get it, right? Like four or seven games isn't a large sample size. But I still think Denver in the big picture still has something to go with in terms of that front court. So I could agree with coming off of this four, and I think they'll eventually pull the series out in seven. Our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel. All right,
5: John, you said you've been playing the heel against the Knicks. We got to talk about this. We're,
4: remember what network we are on right now, as well, too. I know which.
5: Oh, yeah. oh I know which network we are on. I grew up watching it. So <laughs> now the New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks series tied at one. Latest price we threw up for the series price: Hawks minus one forty-three, uh, Knicks I believe was plus one ten to uh, win the series. You suggested maybe that the Knicks bench would not put up another 50. They did, and yet I was never comfortable about the Knicks (laughs) winning that game. Never at one point did I think the Hawks were out of it. Uh, Has your opinion at all changed about the New York Knicks coming off a victory in Game 2?
8: No, not really, right? I mean, Atlanta, like when you look at it, Adam, Atlanta did what they needed to do. They take home court away. You know, winning one of those, I think that's kind of when we talk about like in the general we is what I'm saying here, When we talk about these series, I think it's kind of lost at how important it is to take one of those games, right? Especially if, you, if you're on the road, taking one of those is a very important task, right? The Lakers did it. It's a tied series. Now they're going back home. Hawks did it. Now they're going back home to a full capacity crowd. So again, going back to that home court thing, I think that's going to work for them in terms of being in a really good spot. But overall, Adam, like sure. Like the Knicks to in this series again, best of seven still aren't the largest sample sizes. So if you get Derrick Rose to average 39 minutes a game, you get about 50-ish points from your bench every single night, you're in really good shakes. But are you going to get that every single night? Like, that's kind of the question. And one of the things that has always bugged me about the Knicks, I've wrote about it multiple times, and it has showed itself again here in the postseason, they give up a lot of wide-open looks. You know, in the season, right? Regular season, third most wide open looks from three. Here in this postseason, right now, the third most wide open looks from beyond the arc. The difference in the regular season and the postseason is now the Hawks are kind of making a pay for it. Remember, they gave up 34% on wide open looks from beyond the arc in the regular season, despite giving up the third most. Here in the postseason, Hawks are shooting 40% on most wide open looks. They didn't hit them down the stretch, which is kind of dangerous, right? Because you can think if they started hitting those open shots, it's a little bit of a different outcome in game two. But regardless, I just look at this overall, and I think there's a pretty solid gap between the starters, right? The bench is playing immaculately for the New York Knicks, but can you trust Derek Rose to average that 39 clip throughout the rest of the series? I just think, I thought this was a six-game series. It's still kind of trending in that direction. I don't think the Knicks are garbage by any stretch. This is going to be a really fun and tight series, but I still feel relatively confident in my position before the series and betting the Hawks that they're going to win this thing.
5: Okay, before I ask you specifically about game three, I'll ask you a more personal question. Do you want to fight me?
8: uh I mean, just as a I Knicks feel fan. good about my chances. so yes
5: all right fair enough fair enough we'll we'll arrange that separately mm-hmm. uh, off air Atlanta laying four total two eleven uh here in game three Hawks coming home of course and the Knicks as you mentioned, maybe some unsustainable things going on. how are you handicap in the third game
8: so I, I would I would tend to look at Atlanta here and I'm curious to see what the market's going to do with it. But you know, we we talk about a team that you know in the two games has opened up double-digit leads. Uh, in game two, looked like they were going to you know, pull away, and even in that stretch where the Knicks were kind of farting around a little bit, they still had a lot of open looks that the Hawks were generating that they weren't putting down. Back at home, role players generally play a little bit better, right? So Danilo Gallinari, who has been absolutely poor in this series of the first two games, you think he bounces back a little bit more in terms of his production. John Collins was non-existent, dealing with foul trouble in game two. Like those things, I think, kind of even out now for the Atlanta Hawks coming back home. So I think this is one where now you're coming back home. If your role players actually step up in terms of their production, I think you're going to get a pretty good showing for Atlanta. So I think Atlanta's in the better spot. I want to see what the market does, though, you know, because – I have a feeling that the market would come in on the New York Knicks after the first two games. How tight they've been, the perception that this Knicks defense is, uh, you know, has been dominant through two games. So I think you might get a cheaper number. So I'm going to hold that, but I do think the Hawks are in the better spot.
4: Let's head to uh, another game since we're not going to have you on before before this game tips off. Uh, let's talk about the Nets and the Celtics. Uh, seven and a half. There is a seven available in favor of the Nets. Uh, Two twenty seven. Kind of your total as we look. I mean, have you seen anything? And I understand. I mean, it's it, it it is on. It is a road game. It is, you know, maybe the fans go absolutely bonkers. We have seen they are going to allow 19,000 in there. So they will have a packed arena for this thing. But have you seen anything at all from the Celtics that would lead you to believe that they can keep this thing within seven points?
8: Not really. right? <laughs> I mean, Matt. I mean, you're like, you're, you know, you're, you're as high on Brooklyn as I, yeah. you, you and I have talked about this, like in the second half, you can go to game one, right? And I think a lot of people would go, okay, well, in game one, it was a strong start. Yeah. But did you watch the second half? Because in the second half, the Nets had an offensive rating of over 125, and they were pretty comfortable in that second half, right? You go to the last game that we saw, an offensive rating of 140.5 against this team. Jason Tatum looks like he's going to play. It's an eye injury. We don't know how that's going to affect him. But for the most part, like, there's just nothing that you have seen for this team so far. And look, We can talk about hey man teams down 0-2, coming back home first half first quarter well we're watching a game right now where that didn't really work out for that team right like sometimes the gap is just a little too large when you're talking about personnel and when you really haven't seen anything like you can kind of realize right with this milwaukee miami game that okay well game one it went to overtime you know chris middleton jump shot you can understand why potentially there would be somebody out there be like yeah first quarter first half you can buy yourself and talk yourself into buying that but I just don't see it with this team. Like in any of the minutes that we have seen between these two clubs, there really hasn't been anything that I think that Boston that gives them a real shot. So maybe you want to go first quarter, first half, but you're always paying a tax on those. I just think at this point right now, Boston's kind of cooked. It's why I have a couple, I got them in five one or excuse me, four one in terms of uh, you know, exact series price, Brooklyn. And I got them in a sweep. Cause I just think that there's a massive gap between these two teams.
4: And uh, we got to we got to before we let you go, got to head out of here. But uh, before we let you go, Nets still is I mean, who who competes with the Nets?
8: I mean, I think it's I guess it's Milwaukee because like if you just talk about it from like a physical matchup standpoint, right? Like you have a Drew Holiday, you have a Chris Middleton, you have a Giannis Antetokounmpo. So if you are just talking about like body types and guys who can guard the big three, the Milwaukee Bucks have that, right? But they still have one of the worst perimeter defenses in the league, and this Miami Heat team is not one that's going to exploit that and make them work with that. The Brooklyn Nets are going to do that. You have a great pick-and-roll player in James Harden who's going to find shooters around the perimeter. You have a fantastic mid-range scorer and shooter in Kevin Durant. You have another lethal scorer as well in Kyrie Irving. Like They're going to push Milwaukee much more than this Heat team that has nobody to generate offense outside of Jimmy Butler. So I think that's going to be a massive difference. So I guess, theoretically, it would be Milwaukee, but I still think that there is a gap once Brooklyn is fully healthy and now that James Harden's on the floor, there's going to be a difference. You're going to see it.
4: He is our senior NBA analyst. You can find him on the Twitter machine at JVT. John Von Tobel, thanks for the time, my man. Thanks for having me, guys. Another goal for Toronto, trailing by one with eight minutes. Oh, no longer, sir. Oh, 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 boy! Looks like we have tied this game Ooh. up. Uh, up. Here. What did we? Uh, what did we say that number was, Kelly? That thing had gotten to five seventy-five. you said.
6: Yeah, that's yeah. what the last one was, right? Yeah. yeah. And
5: by the way, if you if you decided at 3-1 to take our recommendation on that puck line of plus two, you are feeling very good right now. Oh, yeah.
6: It would be, that would be a bad beat. Yeah, that, that would one. be bad. Real quick, going back to that yeah. uh, Celtics-Nets game. Now, uh, Kemba Walker, up uh, questionable now to play in that game. He showed up, that, showed, uh, up about a few hours ago.
5: Yeah, I'd I'd take the game off. (laughs) I would probably take the
4: rest of the series (laughs) off if it came down to it. There's uh, there's two late baseball games. We'll preview those whenever we come back on the other side here. It is primetime action on MSG Plus and PC.
7: If you love live in game action like we do here on Primetime Action, then download the free Odds Trader app right now so you can start winning with the up to the second info you need. Matt Brown.
4: We have two baseball games 10 10 Eastern, 7 10 Pacific. Alex Wood versus David Price as we sit right now. The Giants are plus 120 dogs, plus uh, minus 143 if you want to take the Dodgers and David Price. Um, Adam, the interesting thing, I guess, whenever we kind of look at this, is we don't have a very big body of work to draw from here on David Price. I mean, got one start out of him over the last couple of seasons. You know, I mean, he opted out in 2020, and, um, so really, we have to kind of go back to 2019 if we really want to look at any numbers as to what we might met, what we might or might not get out of him. And that is always, to me, something I don't really like to to have to bet here. And I mean, it's such a big favorite against a squad in the Giants that have been hitting the ball pretty well and have been, you know handling, um, you know, pretty good pitchers pretty well as uh, for this season for me I don't know it's just it's gonna to be tough for me
5: to pull the trigger here I think the potentially interesting angle in this game is the total Alex Wood certainly has had an outstanding 42 innings thus far this year for the San Francisco Giants um, that being said on the other side of this what's the best case scenario here for David Price five innings and then you're gonna get into the middle of the Dodgers you would, bullpen, which is pretty beaten up. You would think. Uh, at this point, right? So, seven and a half, the Dodgers offense this year is third in weighted runs created plus, and the Giants aren't that far behind. They're above average as well at 12th. So, seven and a half just feels like a very optimistic projection on David Price's ability to pitch to the San Francisco Giants to me. Yeah, you look, um, Alex Wood, I mean, it's 322 ex-fip.
4: A K rate of twenty five and a half percent with a walk rate of six point seven percent. I mean, this is he was not a high strikeout pitcher for the majority of his career, and and uh, you know twenty five point five percent. He's getting thirteen and a half percent swinging strikes as well, which is just I mean nutso for for this guy, ground ball rate Adam of fifty four point one percent for him. So I mean, it's it's no. I mean, the stats show why he's having the success that he's having so far this year. And, I mean, if you look at what he's doing from a pitch standpoint, I mean, he's throwing a, a, a sinker basically, you know, half the time, a little under half the time. And then when he's not doing that, he's throwing a slider now a lot more. He's throwing, He used to basically just be fastball changeup guy most of the time, and now he's throwing a, a slider much more, and I think that that's helped him out a ton uh I don't know if I want to be betting against him here if I'm being perfectly honest so I think this is just going to be a pass for me and I guess if I
5: had to play it I might be looking towards the Giants side actually so these two teams faced off in San Francisco last week Alex would just saw the Dodgers last start two earned in six but 10 base runners uh and more often than not against a team like the Dodgers if you allow 10 base runners more than two of them are going to come around to score. So don't get me wrong. My money's not on this one. Yep. Uh, but if, if we were looking at this late baseball game and saying, is there a way into this for me, it would be on that total. So we are
4: still tied uh, Montreal and Toronto three, three, five minutes left in the third. And that one, if you do want to get involved, I mean, I think, let's see, we can pull up the live odds here Uh minus two fifteen on the Maple Leafs here. I mean, Minus 215 out. So here we go. This pendulum is swung from plus 575 to minus 215. So we've talked about this a couple of different times as well, is when these teams that are heavily favored and then they fall down and there's still so much hockey to be played that, you know, a plus 575, yeah. I mean, it's not very likely that they come back and win the game, but that's the reason it's plus 575. It doesn't have to happen very often for it to be a profitable bet for you.
5: No, and you do have – recent history to look at right even more than usual in this NHL season Mm -hmm. right not only have these teams already played four playoff games against each other but you can use that especially this year in hockey to inform your bets because these teams have only played four or five other teams the entire season (laughs) long you know exactly how they play against that opponent it's nothing new you're getting into in the playoffs you have a much larger sample size to try to use to your advantage
4: Kelly uh I see you shaking your head back there not much in the basketball game to update.
6: Eighty-two fifty-eight. One of the worst, uh, just worst basketball games I've ever seen. Maybe period. <laughs> but I, I want to hear from Heat fans. Where does this rank with most pathetic Miami Heat performances that they've ever seen? Because it's up there for me. He's not doing it on the offensive end, but
4: Giannis has 17 rebounds before we even get to the fourth quarter here. So at least he is doing it on – the glass. We'll do a full rundown here. We'll do some previews, and we'll even maybe even talk a little bit of NFL. It is primetime action here on Beacon and MSG+.
7: If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VSIN Best Bets. You can also download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Brown.
4: Unless there's a goal in the next 15 seconds, we'll be heading to overtime between Montreal and Toronto. Again, this was a 2 nothing, then a 3-1 game in favor of Montreal. Oh. As soon as I say that, that was <laughs> nearly a goal with about eight seconds left. But it does look like we're going to be heading to overtime here as soon as we get the updated line. We will give that to you. Uh, one of the things we were talking about and John brought up was, was you know, there is now home court advantage. There are some of these teams, you know, so just there a rundown here just as you go about betting. So you have... Uh, this in mind for you. Uh, Boston going to allow 19,000 fans. Uh, Miami, 17,000 fans. Atlanta, 16,000 fans. Dallas and the Knicks, 15,000 cap. Brooklyn, 14,000. Utah, 13,000. Phoenix, 11,000. 10,000 in uh, Philadelphia and in Washington. Milwaukee, 9,000. Portland, 8,000. A little under 8,000 for Denver, 7,750. 7000 in Memphis and then 6000 for the Clippers and the Lakers. But that's kind of the fan breakdown as it sat this morning. Of course, we're seeing we're seeing things change basically by the day and so they may end up allowing more and whatever, but as we sit right now, that's kind of how the capacity does break down here. And this is pretty interesting actually because especially from a a, a Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Dallas, Knicks and and, and in Brooklyn situation, this is the first time we've had full capacity sports in a year and a half. And so we are having to kind of take into account if you want to anyway, um, how you want to bring that in your handicapping. Cause we have not had this at all for that long.
6: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, uh, you're factoring in it, it in some, I mean, I think it's yeah. kind of splitting the difference of what you would factor it in for, Uh, you know, full attendance versus Mm. what we saw in, you know, the bubble or even these teams just playing on their home courts without any fans. Um, And and, you know, when we've asked, I've talked to different odds makers about this and kind of gotten different answers, honestly, but some of them saying, basically they're booking it like it's full home court advantage, like regular now. And some have basically said what I just said, where they were, they're factoring it in a little but not much.
4: Adam, when you look at this, are you are you going to factor this in any differently as you look at these games moving forward? Or is, or is this just, you know, at, at this point you kind of think you know who these teams are and you're not really worried too much about it?
5: Basketball is one of the sports where literally nothing changes about that home court unless you are buying into the narrative of referees calling more fouls mm. in favor of the home team. I know there's been some study done on that. Um, But look, in baseball, you have the park to factor in. In hockey, the home team gets the last line change, meaning that they do have an advantage over the other team. There are tangible things to look at. But let's use the New York Knicks as an example. They had a full building for both of those first two games. Did the home court helped the Knicks when they were up 103 to 100 with a minute to go in the game that building was as loud as could be LeBron James was out there tweeting about saying how loud the building was it made no difference at all the Hawks still won the game down the stretch right uh
4: I think it'll be interesting too when we head into to NFL and see how the bookmakers decide to to handle that situation because you know one of the things that we've had and this is before the pandemic one of the things we've had is the the home field advantage in the NFL has been shrinking to where it's basically nothing right I mean the statistics Bear out that it's been basically nothing for a while now, yet we still always talk about oh, home field advantage, this it's worth this, it's worth that, it's worth whatever. Um, you know, look back in the day, it was travel was much tougher back in the day. There were not you weren't traveling with all these trainers and chefs and whatever, and all this stuff that all the all these perks that these teams have these days it wasn't the case, you know, and it is now. I mean, these guys are like. They're staying in the nicest hotel rooms, and they're flying first class. If it's not a private plane, they're, like, not worried about any, you know, no, they're not busing anywhere unless it's, like, within an hour or two. I mean, it is – It is all the modern luxuries are there, so travel isn't as intrusive on your on your team and your game plan and all that stuff as it used hey, to you be. you tell that to Shohei Otani in the
6: BART tonight, okay?
5: Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> – this is true. Joey O'Johnny got to the Oakland Coliseum <laughs> yeah. just fine, just not with enough time to prepare for his pitching start. That's right. why he's DHing mm. tonight. Come on, the Bart treated him first class. They even <laughs> tweeted about what an honor it was for them to have him there.
6: Oh, we didn't even know story, we but. had him. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm just, I'm just saying. Like I, I, I think NFL. I mean, like we really and truly, this is one of those things where I think this is kind of an antiquated way of thinking when it comes comes to home field advantage. I mean, these guys at this point, it's just, you know, it's just, if you want
6: to say one point, I'll like give you a point. But this whole like three point thing. I'm I'm with you. I think think with NFL weather affects it as much as anything, right? I mean, I think I read more into the, you know, teams, warm weather teams, you know, a Dolphins playing in the, in the snow in December and the, uh, a Patriots playing in Miami in August or
5: September, I lead into more of that than the stadiums that they're playing well, in. Well, I think what you can look at is you can look more specifically at franchises over recent times, right? Mm-hmm. Because let's say you know that a certain team is a team that's going to try to stay on the East Coast between two games if it's coming from the West Coast, as opposed to this is a team that has two Sunday 10 a.m. starts on the East Coast, 10 a.m., of course, for us out here in the West, and you know that they're going to be going back and forth. Maybe you're looking at that second game a little bit differently. Maybe you can look at certain franchises and say, okay, under the same head coach, have they not performed well when they've had to do something Mm -hmm. like go and travel three time zones and play early in the day? Because that speaks to what you're talking about, Matt. Does that particular coach do well in terms of handling those challenges.
4: And and one of the things we'll see here, because uh, we didn't obviously didn't have a single fan in the stadiums here in, in Las Vegas either is we know one thing is for certain that people are going uh, out of town fans are going to travel these games and they're going to come here. How many of those fans, how many third party tickets are going to get sold? What is the percent going to be between home fans and road fans and, in in that will, so you can't just blanket statement say home field
6: advantage or worth X Y or Z if if thirty percent of the stadium is going to be so, is going to be road fans. I over think it's a great example for Las Vegas here, and that's I mean when the Jets go down to Miami, there's more Jets fans in the stadium Miami than there are Dolphins fans. Like that, that's a thing. So yeah. like I'm with you, man.
5: But you, I mean, look. Take something, if you're gonna take some information and you're gonna use it, take something more like, okay, we're talking about Las Vegas, right? And the fact that John Gruden is going to be coaching the team on one of the sidelines. I would much rather look at the fact that John Gruden can't figure out when in the hell to kick a field goal versus (laughs) how many fans are gonna be in the building.
4: The latest Julio Jones rumors, and then we'll take you home with some prop watch on these late basketball games. Primetime action here on MSG Plus and Visa.
7: Download the DraftKings Casino app now and use promo code VSEN to get a deposit bonus up to $1,500. DraftKings Casino has hundreds of ways to play, choose from slots, blackjack, roulette, and so much more. It's also US-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available to play in New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia only. Must be 21 or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. For entertainment purposes only, no results guaranteed. Void where prohibited. See casino.draftkings.com for full details. Matt Brown.
4: 19-point lead for the Bucks with 829 left. Adam,
5: where are we on the sweatometer here for you? The sweatometer as we look at the Jimmy Butler points rebounds assists prop is uh is at sort of sort of high right now. Uh thirty-one is the number that he is at right now. Thirty-eight and a half is the total. Uh, if I told you that there's one player in this game who has not left the floor the entire game, it's Jimmy Butler. Thirty-six yeah. minutes played. So I, I still have a chance of getting home here, but you know, uh, we're now, oh, now he just added an assist uh, while Giannis was shooting. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, 32 is where he's at right now. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have a sweat here as we uh, as we take this thing yeah. home. We talked about this
4: earlier in the week, so I did want to hit this. Uh, you know, we were looking at those odds to where Julio Jones was going to play next. Danielle, you were kind enough to bring us those props. And according to Diana Rossini of ESPN, they have discussed several offers for Julio Jones, one of which includes a first round draft pick for him. So I can tell you if that report is true, that deal is gonna get done and that deal is going to get done at the beginning of next week as soon as we pass the June first date on this thing. And so if there is if there is actually a first on the table, Adam, because we were talking about this, that is you I mean we can only assume it's a first with Atlanta taking on an incredible amount of the salary or something like that. Because the there, it's go- the trade is going to be commensurate with how much money the person the, the team has to take on of, of the $15 million. So we've got to figure out like how that all works out. But again, if there's a first on the table, that deal is getting done. After would, June
5: 1st. After June 1st. Yeah. You would have to think that this deal is getting done with a first-round pick. And let's talk about the value of it here for, for Julio Jones, right? Because yeah. that first-round pick has to factor in the health. Of Julio Jones coming off a season in which he played nine games coming off a career in which he has played all of the games all 16 exactly four times in nine seasons. So, you know, the guys we talked to Eric eager earlier in the week, Mm. he was speculating a second and a fourth was probably a more fair price for Julio Jones. So if that one's on the table, he's going. The players we talked about,
4: like you know, the teams with need, we just flashed the odds up. If you were uh, watching on MSG Plus, if not, if you're on the radio side here, Patriots three to one, Titans four and a half to one, uh, Falcons. That number's got to be gone by now. I know these are a, a day or two old here, but uh, Falcons at five to one. That's that's Dunzo. Um, Jaguars eight to one, uh, Chargers eight to one, Niners eight to one, Ravens nine to one, and the Colts are nine to one. Um, the The player – we were talking about the teams with needs and we were talking about the Titans because, again, with with them losing Johnny Smith and losing Corey Davis, like it's basically A.J. Brown and nobody else. A.J. Brown – is lob it was lobbying on his Twitter. Like it was lobbying for this Julio to Tennessee. Now he posts on his Twitter. Like he knows that he needs, I mean, cause it's better for him, right? He, if not, he's going to get double teamed every single time he runs a route. And, and like this guy's trying to, you know, get his second contract here. He's trying to get paid. And so he knows how that works. You have somebody out there that can take a little bit of attention off of you. And then, uh, yeah, you get the numbers. And so, uh, openly, openly campaigning to get him to Tennessee. And again, and one of the teams with one of the biggest needs
5: would be Tennessee. It's clear that there's a need there in Tennessee. But I also think if you're the Tennessee Titans, you have to look at this and say to yourself, are we a Julio Jones trade away from contending? And yes, that division is mm-hmm. open. That division is there for the taking. That being said, this team was abysmal defensively last year. Yes, the offensive line is going to get healthier, right. but I don't think this is a team that should be investing future capital at this point. And and that's a great point that you
4: bring up because if the if these reports are true, and actually I'm just looking here and later on in the day, Adam Schefter said he heard that 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 firsts are being involved with this as well. If this is the case, then it is a team. If you're willing to give up a first-round pick, like this is a team that thinks they are they are Julio Jones away from winning this year, like that they're Julio and. Could that be the Ravens? Could that be the Colts? Could that be one of these th- those type teams that think like maybe they're a
6: Julio Jones away from actually winning? So I've got the updated odds in front of me here from Bet Rivers. Yeah, there's a team that's not even on our graphic from two days ago that is now second in the odds. Patriots are plus four fifty. Mm-hmm. The Rams five to one our next. That would on the be list. a team that that would be a team
5: that would might think that they are a Julio Jones away. The Rams don't have a first round yeah. pick until the year 2735. They about they do them, this. What, what does Bet Rivers know that, I, that we don't know? I was like, did I How miss did something on the Rams today? All right. Let's, let's ask a question about the Titans though. Going back to what we Titans just, five to one. Yeah. Know. The Titans are still sitting there five to one because you see the clear need because we know that, uh that our man, AJ Brown is out there talking about this, but What would you say if I told you that last year, Corey Davis put up an 85 pro football focus grade? Where did the Titans go last year? A whole lot of nowhere. If you think that Julio Jones is going to come in and outperform the season that Corey Davis had last year, then great. Tell me to what degree is he going to outperform that season that is worth you giving up a future first round pick with this roster? I don't see it for Tennessee.
4: That is rams thing is so incredibly interesting because again if there's a team willing to give up a first it's probably going to be a first down the line because like again like giving up a first next year is doesn't seem like that would be the case So, so it had to be one down the line could they could they eat the the money and whatever you know i That is very, very, very interesting. I
6: I do see one report that Jalen Ramsey is apparently actively recruiting Julio Jones. If anybody could. could.
5: yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, the Rams next have a first-round pick in the year 2024. So if you're the Tennessee Titans, (laughs) I'm sorry, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, and you're looking at this and saying, oh, well, we could get their 2024 first-round pick, you're telling me that you're getting unless there's some player in this trade or some other asset. Yeah, I don't know. You're getting nothing for the next 3 years. That is insane. Maybe that takes. that's how long
4: it takes them. As a guy who as soon as the rumor that the trade for Matthew Stafford was happening ran to the sports book and broke his fingers to bet everything he could bet on the LA Rams. Yeah. This this make, this rumor makes me very happy. I don't care, <laughs> like I, just just hearing the rumor makes me very 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 happy. Because that defense is going to still be awesome and still be amazing. A massive upgrade with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. And if you bring in Julio Jones, oh, is that ball game?
5: That is yeah. uh, former Golden Knight Puck Nick game. Suzuki Puck winning game. it in overtime. Uh, you, you have not worked with Matt and I enough to know that yeah, that's a ball. That's a uh, ball game. So, Puck. Montreal wins it in overtime, 4-3. Uh, to three. They keep the series alive. Uh, they were major dogs in this game, uh, out to about plus 200 in a lot of spots. But uh, again, if you listened to us during the show, we advocated for puck line on Toronto at plus one, so you would have pushed that. Plus two, you would still have a winning bet. Yeah. I mean, that was uh
4: The Predators
7: and Hurricanes just tied up at one to one, so there goes my first period under. But maybe the Preds will uh score again. Only five been minutes. It's forever
4: in. since Danielle's gotten a loser video. I think we should give her one. It's she just because she keeps just not, winning all these bets. Like we should not. fire up just a loser video. No, but for she's you, got what
6: is it, one and a half you've got? Yeah, they've there's they've scored hey, two goals. Yeah. She I'm, hasn't lost
7: yet.
4: Can yeah, I have. Yes. No, she's
5: definitely lost. You're oh oh. <laughs> Look, yeah, because <gasps> one
4: plus one is two, which is more than I one of those guys. Yeah, 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 so
5: I'll yeah. tell you what. I will take. I will take that loser video because I never got my loser video for Toronto Montreal under first first period. Uh, Jeremy, How about that.
6: fire one more up. Adam and I can share it because the Heat sure as heck are getting home. That's for sure. Oh, I'm not going to
5: oh, get the look at you. <laughs> oh, and Sadness. My, my baseball bets too. Just add it to the Ooh, pile. You, yeah. you know what? We got a couple minutes left. Just keep running every version we have. Yeah. I mean, look, look.
4: I'm going to. It would be the worst beat. I'm not going to say in history, but it would be a terrible beat for 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 my bucks bet not to get home. But I'm not going to take the winner video because that's it hasn't gotten home yet.
5: Jimmy Butler Matt, currently Matt. sitting Matt. 33 with 627 to go on that points, rebounds, assists. Ooh. He has played 38 of a possible 38 that's fun. Minutes. That is a fun sweat.
4: Mm-hmm. They're down 27 a- points. You're safe. <laughs> he scored 14 <laughs> in the first quarter. <laughs> they had they had 50 with, like, a minute left in, in the th- like in the third quarter. They,
6: they oh haven't God. gotten close to that in any quarter in this game. Do we, we
4: want to like...
7: do lightning round prop watch?
4: Yeah, lightning round. Lightning
7: round. Okay, prop watch. For Suns and Lakers here. Cool. Devin Booker's points prop sitting at 28 and a half. Anthony Davis, 25 and a half. LeBron James, 24 and a half. DeAndre, Ayton fourteen and a half. 14 and a half, as is Dennis Schroeder. McCall. Oh, excuse me mikael bridges 12 and a half andre drummond 10 and a half caldwell pope at eight and a half and jay crowder also at eight and a half on the points total there what's interesting on the board
4: what's interesting is that they don't have chris paul listed because i was going to say just mm-hmm. all the unders <laughs> all the unders
7: it's if that, you can it, find a chris it, paul prop, you might yeah. be able to find it though adam, but, fans,
5: adam there's a book paul. in town that, that's had them up earlier today and they were set fairly. I believe the points prop Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, was nine and a half. It's, yeah, something on like Chris that. Chris Paul, yep. the assists I believe was five and a half. Uh, as I mentioned, I have the one on steals for him not to get a steal at plus one sixty five. I do think DeAndre Ayton at fourteen and a half points, considering that if Chris Paul doesn't go, they're going mm-hmm. to feed DeAndre Ayton quite a bit more than they would otherwise. Uh, could be an interesting play. He has a fantastic offensive rating I, in this I series. I can't argue
6: that. I think three, I'll go real quick, that stand out to me. LeBron James, over two and a half three-pointers made. Not exactly the most mm-hmm. prolific three-point shooter, but all we've seen him is is shoot yeah. jumpers in this series. He's not driving to the basket. That one stands out to me. Jay Crowder led the Suns in three points. Three-pointers made this year. One and a half, I think, over on him, I like. And Dennis Schroeder, if you can get in game props, which some of these books offer. If it looks like Chris Paul's struggling out there, Dennis Schroeder over on his points I would love. Uh, Six and a half right
4: now in favor of the Lakers late game. Three and a half right now in favor of the Blazers for Adam, for Kelly, for Danielle, I'm Matt. Tune in tomorrow. We'll take you home for the rest of the week's primetime action.